0: what's going on everybody 360 digital closing bell here i am your humble humble correspondent michael tanner joined for our week ahead podcast here on a beautiful monday june 8th episode number 23 we are live from an undisclosed location here in denver colorado as always we are joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com Stuart turley Stu, how you doing today
1: I'm doing great from an undisclosed location. It's a beautiful day in Dallas.
0: It is a beautiful day. We're recording this on, on a Sunday afternoon here right before the markets open. So if you're listening to this, uh, markets are still closed. It, it was a little cold this morning in Denver. And, and, and just an update, I'm playing sore today. I am... Lots of yard work happened this morning. So I am playing sore. Forgive me on this if you don't see any any of the antics. But but, but we have a great show for you guys lined up. I mean, we're going to really dive into Friday's wild trading day and kind of break down what happens and maybe what that means going forward. As always, we're going to cover the levels um, for crude oil. We have some crazy international um, news stories that Stu's going to get to. And always, we will check in on the 360 official, non-official fund. But first, are you asking the question, what is social risk? Because if you're not... You are falling behind, especially if you are an executive, because it's not just commodity our community opposition to development projects. It's everything from the success and the divest from fossil fuels movement to the investor engagement on your ESG programs to individual states setting ambitious climate and decarbonization agendas. It seems like it's everywhere now and it's moving and it's multiplying like zombies. But guess what? Never fear. Adamateen Energy and Tisha Schuler, who are the leading consultants helping the oil and gas prepare for all of the social risk, are here to help. And i mentioned they are led adam Mateen energy is led by friend of the show and wonderful person tisha schuler who's the former ceo of the colorado oil and gas association and what adam is doing is they're helping your company explore your exposure to social risk your options on how to respond and how your peer companies are responding and and that's key because it's not only knowing what to do but also what your peers are doing so that you can again to navigate what's going on it's it's public oil and gas it's it's a cutthroat economy and you need somebody like adam Mateen on your side check them out www.energythink Thinks.com. she also has a great podcast that is just now launching you can look at energy thinks by tisha shuler it's going to be an awesome um, really esg thought leadership podcast she's going to interview a wide variety of people from not necessarily the oil and gas field and that's what's cool they're going to be from really outside the field and people looking on in terms of how esg affects everything going on so it's awesome i check that out itunes spotify you can also look at youtube you should also sign up for her weekly newsletter because your competitors are reading this that's the scary part if you're not reading it your competitors are you can check it. it's called both things are true you can sign up for all of this www.energythings.com you can also subscribe to this podcast 360 digital closing but itunes spotify youtube you can follow intercom and oil and gas on all the major social medias twitter linkedin you can connect with me and Stuart turley you can check out all of the energy 360 interviews on the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com um today what two o'clock as you're listening to this on a monday two o'clock you're going to be hearing heidi mckillop right or is it going to be uh are we going to drop that in the morning
1: uh, we'll probably drop it in the morning but uh just sometime before lunch tomorrow
0: awesome so we'll push it out on all the social we have that's a great interview that was a great story about somebody who you know, wasn't in the energy business, but saw why the energy business was, was helping everybody around her and really took a stand and, and wrote an awesome YouTube video. She, you know, she's in that ESG space as well. If, you're, if you've are listened to this podcast before, you know, we are a fan of ESG that um, it pays the bills around here. So um, it, we are a huge fan of it. And we had a great conversation with Heidi. You can see it on all the socials. And then on Wednesday, you're going to be able to hear a great interview. Another. Another one another author in our sort of little series of authors we have going here. You can see it on the screen if you're if if you're watching on YouTube. But Buddy Clark, partner at Haynes and Boone, who's co-chair of the energy Practice, he wrote a book called Oil Capital. Thick, thick, but thick book. Thick book. Stu took the time to read like two-thirds of it, which is honestly extremely impressive, and we had a far-reaching conversation about it. Really, it goes back to, you know, what type of sort of the oil and gas capital history looks like i mean he goes all the way back to the 1800s we bring it all the way forward to you know 70s and some how some of this proracious stuff relates to what happened specifically in texas when haynes and boo does so it's a great great interview i highly recommend checking that out it'll be dropped on all of the social medias wednesday is there anything else i'm forgetting here
1: i i think you're good uh we got more coming and even uh after that we're interviewing uh A few more authors and a few more other big folk coming right around the corner.
0: Yeah, we're working on getting a really cool author's page uh, spun up, which I think will be really, really cool um, on the website. So stay tuned for that. Um, you know, we haven't announced this yet, but if you're listening to this podcast, we give you the inside scoop about everything. So, yeah, we're working on it. Stu just sent me a, a link this morning to take a look at it um, about what it might look like. It's going to be awesome. I don't, I don't, we're workshopping the name still, so I don't, we don't need to lean one way, but it's going to be awesome. You're going to see all of our author interviews there. You know, before we get into to, to sort of the levels for the week and, and some of the things that I'm looking for specifically in US jail, I I think it's important to cover, you know, if if, if you you know what happened on Friday, because if you listen to the closing bell, it was clear it was a wild day. XOP contract was up eleven percent, which is basically the index that covers all US energy equities wrapped up into that fund. It was up eleven percent, which if to give you an idea, the S and P five hundred was only up so energy equities by far gaining and to be honest with you I think energy equities might have had some of their best days ever specifically some of these stocks that we're going about to look at and I think it's important to cover why 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 it happened and then maybe what that means going forward And I, but, but I think it's important to first ask yourself and figure out okay well how do you even price an energy stock anyway and maybe not so much as how you would price an energy stock or how are they priced by the big players in the field because I think there's this there's always this balance of okay what what do you think the right way to do something is versus okay well what is 95% of the industry doing and how is that affecting the way these stocks move because Yes, you might think that some of the ways that large, you know, because this is the, my, my, a big criticism of, of, of Energy Finance Twitter, EFT, their big uh, news crack is every the way we cover from an equity sell side perspective, the way we rate oil and gas exploitation companies is all wrong and it's a scam. Well, okay, you can believe that, but if everybody on the equity sell side, which are the people who rate companies and tell you which way they're gonna move, they're the people that say buy, sell, or hold, if they're all using this method to rate companies, well I I don't care that you think it's wrong. I, I I you might be right. You might even be right, and in some cases you are. But guess what? I'm going to use the method that the people who are actually moving the stocks, are, who the institutional players are, who trade 80% of the volume, who 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 they follow. So, you know, you you can if 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 you're big on to the old way of, you know, monitoring and 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 rating equities if, if you think that's all a scam well this next part's probably not going to be for you but if you can accept the fact that whether we agree with it or not this is just how companies are priced in terms of, of energy equities they're done numerous ways first way is fund. you know really it's it's pretty easy fundamentals and technicals fundamentals are basically all of the different types of when you look at a 10q or you look at a quarterly report and all of those different lines market capitalization enterprise value revenue profit EBITDA net income earnings per share cash flow cash flow expenditures uh, free cash flow all of these different fundamental numbers that tell you how much money they have in the bank how much they've spent all that coming in so that's one way you, you know, when you go to set the price of a stock you look at the fundamentals the other is the technical side which is how is the stock doing relative to what it's done in the past are there certain levels at which it likes to hang around are there numbers with their price because when you know when we think technicals just think price over time and and, and any sort and the other big technical thing that we look at specifically with energy stocks is correlations because clearly when you're in a commodities based business and the majority of your revenue is coming off oil well, you're probably going to be related to the price of oil so i would encourage you if you're not already because you know if you haven't done this already i would go to something like tradingview.com create a free account i would go create a chart and create and 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 compare crude oil which you can just type in wti and then you can add click add which is add correlation and then you can type in xop which is our xop and i do a six you know six to ten year graph and what you're going to find is as you would think this isn't groundbreaking news here that the oil and gas energy equities contract pretty much mirrors and slightly lags what crude oil does and that makes sense because Companies don't quite see the value of full $40, you know, oils, 3955 companies, not seeing that in their bottom line. They have lifting costs. They have transportation costs. They have all these other expenses. They may see a number like 20, 2010, who knows whatever the number, is. hopefully they're getting some positive numbers off this. Some of them aren't. It's why we're shutting in, but that's a whole other story. So it makes sense that when oil goes one way, energy equities follow. And so clearly over since, you know, really 2015, oil has been disastrously low. I mean, it's gone up a little bit, but it hasn't seen, it hasn't specifically been at levels that have really provided strong, 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 fundamental numbers, which is the way you price income. We, We haven't seen strong fundamental numbers really since 2015. And so really, so then you know, so so if I, you're probably wondering, so example, so, so, so Michael, the answer's simple, right? All of these stocks went up on Friday because oil went up 5%, oil's now at $40, it's a bullish number, and you're kind of right. Yes, oil does have a big factor on the way energy equities move, and yes, over the past two weeks, crude oil has had a huge, 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 huge bull run, but we've seen energy equities stumble throughout that time. We've seen S&P go up 3%, Energy equities down a percentage point. If you've been following the closing, line, I encourage you. If you're not listening to our you know five to ten minutes, really turn it into a 10-minute show, but our 10-minute sort of daily summary of what's going on of what happened in the markets, we try to give you sort of our one big thing, and that's sort of the the, the stories we pull from when we put these larger shows together. So if you're not watching, I encourage you to do that. They're live on YouTube, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. But one of the key things that we've been covering um is this is is not only this bull run but if you've been watching xop has sometimes stayed flat you know x you know s&p's gone up the s&p 500 is not correlated to the xop contract there's very little core i mean there is some obviously there's a percentage and you know i think we you can you know i think uh tradingview gives away a free um correlations which we'll have to put that on the 360 news decks put a bunch of correlations. no it's one big thing especially if you're trading futures correlations are the big oh if you're trading futures and you don't have a small screen doing correlations between crude oil nasdaq s p 500 all those futures contracts goal Oh, you're doing it wrong you should have a, you should have a commodities correlations and and, and, and and indices correlations because all of those indices play along and you can really trade off lagging you know if you, you know you can really trade off these laggers so I encourage you look at correlations but again we digress so it's not just so simple that okay oil went up all of these companies then go up because there was a huge discrepancy like I said XOP contract was up 11.7%. The biggest gainer on the, 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 the day, as we mentioned, was Oasis, 126%. Exxon Mobil, 9%. Shell, 9%. So that's just, so that to give you an idea, you have everywhere. <coughs> and so, you know, something should come out of you. Well, why is someone like Exxon only at 8% when oil's up 11%? Well, the answer is simple. Exxon has diversified itself to the point where it's not as reliant on oil as some of these other pure oil operators and so when you look at the top of the list of who gained so you're going to see a lot of just pure oil and gas shale companies because they are more reliant on the only ways they make money are oil revenue and you can go look at 10 q's <coughs> excuse me you go look at a 10 q there's like three ways oil companies make money they borrow it that's one they sell oil or they hedge now it's, it's, there's three ways you borrow money you get you 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 make money selling oil you and natural gas, we'll throw that in there, and the three hedging. Whether and you're either giving up money because oil went up and your insurance, you had to pay a little bit more for your insurance, or it, you're getting paid because oil tanked and all these hedges are paying off. So it's pretty simple when you break it down. There's not 65 different businesses that are bringing you money in these shale operators. At something like Exxon, yes. So that's why they're less dependent on oil. But you know, I just want to give you. uh I want to read you a quick list here. These are the biggest gainers on 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 friday and i want to tell you get, can you give me something that they all have in common oasis Thanks. chesapeake Callon, qep whiting extraction i'm telling you these are six of the top seven movers so I'm, I'm just what do they all have in common
1: um do i get a multiple choice like they're all in trouble
0: yeah well they're not all in trouble they're uh, okay far beyond all in trouble <laughs> if that's what you're thinking wait yeah. why is it is it if, if you're thinking at home wait isn't whiting de, didn't whiting declare bankruptcy yeah no you're right they did and they're okay. up 62 percent on friday and so why are all these other companies grouped extraction i mean look at whitings in between qep and extraction well what do those two companies have in common mm, kind of on the brink of bankruptcy oh look who's just above them Callan. Mm, probably on the brink of bankruptcy who's above them all chesapeake at a cool 76 percent. i'm not breaking any ground here when i say they're going under soon like if if you don't think Chesapeake, you know i'm not not breaking any new ground here so oasis the biggest player they should have declared bankruptcy six weeks ago like it's it's crazy to think that And, and and so what's crazy about this is when you look at friday this list is a bankruptcy list. You start looking at the biggest, it's like this is the list of the companies that were about to go bankrupt. CRC, California Resources Corporation, they're out in the, they, they, they bought all of old Chevron's old California stuff and are now the biggest player up there in Bakersfield. Um, 34%. They've, there's been multiple stories we ran on Closing Bell where they have reached out to advisors in order to advise them through Chapter 11. So they're already considering it. Michael, that.
1: Oh, your opinion uh what is your opinion because this can this $40 oil cannot be a fibulator for these companies what are your thoughts on that
0: well i was just about yeah no i think it's you know you bring up a good point because what i think this means and why you saw all of these companies i mean oasis chaparral Cal, qb whiting all these companies that it's like wow they all thought they all were considering bankruptcy you know cdev was up huge high points up big um Occidental CRC all of these companies that you know, like oh, what's going on? What's well, What do we think is gonna happen? They all rose huge while companies who were sol- who are solid Exxon the shells the integrates they moved they, they didn't move much Well, the answer is I think twofold one obviously higher oil means bigger but I think what this means is that we're starting now to get into levels 37 38 39 $40 oil at which I think analysts on the equity sell side think that all of these companies that i mentioned may not have to do chapter 11 may be able to stave off may be able to produce enough oil revenue because we mentioned there's only three ways you make you make money you borrow it that's not happening right now pretty hard i don't think oasis i don't think any bank is loaning oasis money right now they might but who knows i don't know i'm not involved with those negotiations oil revenues is the second and that's what all i think this wraps up into being is that these big the biggest movers the top half of this list i encourage you go look at the biggest movers i'm not making any of this up i'll actually i'll link the i'll link the link that i use for the closing bell in the show notes so you can just boom take a click and i'm not making any of this up you can go see who the biggest moves this is a, it's a bankruptcy list and this list basically is telling you okay these are the companies we thought were going to go bankrupt at lower oil now that oil has moved and been on a complete two-week bull run followed by Monday or Friday culminating in a huge 3-5% rise, now we're getting to the levels where some of these companies considering Chapter 11 might not have to anymore. and Might just be able to stave off bankruptcy, which depending on what stakeholder where i mean there's numerous stakeholders depending on where you fall on stakeholders it's a good or bad thing you know if you're an employee of those companies it's, it's a good thing because you might not if you've survived this far and haven't gotten laid off you're probably not getting laid off now because oil's going to continue to rise if you're a if you're a debt holder you're sad not sad per se but you probably were just wanting a rebrand i mean i i i, I, I guarantee there was there were some debt holders out there like you know specifically one carl icon um, we all know who he's heavily invested in. He now owns three of the 10 board seats. You can put two and two together, what company I'm talking about. But, uh, um, you know, basically they they just want, um, the debt holders, they, they very well might want rebrands. They might want it to tank. Let's just chapter 11 this. I want to come out with even a bigger stake. I might've lost some money on the investment, but if I come out with more equity through chapter 11, it's kind of a win-win for me. So there's this interesting dynamic that's going, you know, and so in terms of what this means, I would avoid any 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 stock that was up more than forty percent on Friday, and even forty percent, I might say thirty five percent. And remember, we don't give investment advice. I'm just we, on this show, but just avoid them, please. I mean that that list we led was just it, it was it, avoid them. That's all I'm gonna say. I I would highly recommend if you're looking to long, long term trade these guys yikes i mean i you need to wait to see oil stabilize a little bit because any drop you're gonna see these do the exact opposite if all if oil all of a sudden drops to 20 dollars, you're gonna see oasis go a negative 150 you're gonna see you're gonna see a reversal of this list and it's going to be right back in the same position so You know friday's bull run while great for the oil business it'll be very interesting to see and and it sort of is it's kind of a weeding out process we now i think it gives a clear picture of if you want to know the companies that the big boys the big analysts all the big traders think are in trouble there it is it's just it, it happened friday they separated they separated uh the sheep from the goats or you know whatever that analogy is so um you know Stu, i i've i've done i think i've gotten all i need to say is anything of you know you know on this topic that you need to get out before we move on to some of the stuff that uh, it's going on this week in oil
1: i think it's going to be kind of interesting on the fibulator effect there uh if it does get them some extra legs but uh putting them in instead of the day trader but the minute trader group will be pretty interesting
0: yeah and i mean you know from a you know from a research perspective you know, I'm not investing any money in those companies that I read off. I mean, just it's it's going to be tough in terms of a long-term. Short-term, you make money on anything in the short-term because I'm a day trader. I think short-term, I think 25 seconds. So I don't think in 25 seconds Oasis is going to go bankrupt on Monday. So you can trade them on Monday. Do I think you should hold them in your your portfolio for six months? No, I don't think you should do that. I think if you have any of these things, you should exit quickly. And if you decide to get into them, you should know what your exit strategy looks like. That's the key on that one. So, you know, do what you want. Again, we don't give investment advice. um, But you know who does give investment advice? Equity sell side researchers. So if you want to know what their recommendations are, just go Google. Google equity sell side researchers. Energy equity sell-side research, and you will find a plethora of Wells Fargo Securities, Bank of America Securities, all the big banks, they they, they get the correct brokerage licenses, they get all of the thinnera, all of the stuff that, you know, the regulation side, SEC regulate to actually give you a prediction. It's so funny, you read these sell-side research reports, and they're four pages long, three-quarters of the page are research, three and a quarter of the pages are all the regulations and all the disclaimers they have to have on there. It's unbelievably funny how these templates run. So um, I think with that, it's time to just move into the week that's upcoming in oil. And as always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research. And all of the research you find on this podcast is from their Energy Glimpse Solution. I I can't say enough good things about these guys. Just give them a call, 949-561-1818. Or go to sandstonecg.com. Ask for Michael. He is an awesome guy. We love love him really when we look and and we move into this week for oil there's a couple things that i'm looking for first you know as we record this i I think it's 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 time you know it's smart to talk about hurricane cristobal because you know if you're listening to this podcast tomorrow morning it's probably going to have passed so we're going to know a little more about what maybe some of the effects are. but right now as we record this um here about 1 30 mountain standard time here on sunday tropical uh tropical storm crystal ball is is right over louisiana and has caused about six hundred thousand barrels of oil to be shut in which is about 33 percent um, of the crude oil production in mexico right now um it's about 853 uh, mcf of natural gas bp ramped down production in about three platforms actually I had a buddy who got evacuated from that so it's, it's, it's good to see he's all right um they've also removed some non-essential staff from before the oxy shut in all of its production and they removed all personnel from the central and eastern gulf mexico um, facilities shell exxon and uh, chevron all sort of waiting it out right now uh, they've only removed some uh, potential staff our Louisiana offshore port, who is all you know, is one of the big takers in of all this offshore pipeline stuff. They've suspended all of its operations at its oil terminal, so that corresponds with about the 33% that's been shut off. Vessel activity has really calmed down, so everything's sort of waiting out right now. Everyone was able to get out of the way in time, so that's good. Hopefully, we don't see any fallout from that. But if you but if you're listening to this and it's still going on, we we hope you got out of there um, just in time. The other thing that I had on the U.S. shale side to sort of watch for coming up this week is 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 blackstone on saturday agreed that they're going to sell actually some permian acreage and so this is you want to talk about debt biting somebody in the backside um, when mm. a company like blackstone who's running their minerals is selling tier one to two permian acreage i mean maybe not the best but selling some permian acreage solely to pare down debt that's when you know debt is becoming a base issue and circling that up to our talk you know one of the biggest you know research points that you want to look at if you're looking at a company so how much debt do they have the more debt they have the bigger of likelihood they're going to end up in insolvency or something's going to have to happen whether it's they get they get bought out or, or something so you know when 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 you talk about you're selling prime acreage just to pay down debt i mean they're looking to get acquired and become just a little more attractive the other thing is you know there's been some rumblings of a really big um super major coming out and doing some um, m&a deals here very soon on what was once considered another super major. So we're gonna be following a story here very quickly. We're uh, we're not quite ready to go to press yet, as we call it, but we're gonna keep you updated on everything. Stu, what is going on on the international news desk side?
1: Well, boy, we got a couple things that are interesting. OPEC, I think everybody knows, OPEC Plus met yesterday. They did agree to another month uh, extension on their cuts.
0: That's a... that's i just want to pop in that's another reason that's another factor that you can bake into friday's huge bull run was the extension of those cuts
1: that is correct but another article i put out this morning from world oil uh they also are saying that this meeting also had some other new changes to the way they're calculating oil and i've got to understand that a little bit more so two-pronged um approach from opec plus
0: uh interesting yeah we'll have to be following that story very yeah yeah
1: i don't i don't know the ramifications of the new rules so i think whenever they change rules it's for their own benefit so
0: yeah i mean i because we do know that they they pulled back i mean remember they slashed their actual selling price from china right right you know back on march 8th they brought it down to like it was like 20 bucks so maybe they're bringing that maybe they're thinking of bringing that official selling number back up instead of on top of actually ramping bro who knows it's just a guess i don't know
1: uh, i'm gonna find out what more rule yeah. amendments they have i think it's pretty amazing uh on friday michael uh if you remember uh we had a, a discussion with venezuelan tankers uh, coming in and there seemed to be something fishy. You asked me what I thought about having, uh, Chevron's tankers, uh, being, uh, held up. Another article came out today and it, I hate being right, but there is even more, uh, oil companies that are, uh, avoiding sanctions by simply putting them under different contracts the they're starting to do some heavy investigation that
0: story's on there as well too you yeah, know we you ran that on friday and it's kind of shocking specifically that it's a super major i mean you're talking about these companies that do tank i mean this is these are the big boys they don't necessarily need to be maybe doing this it's it's interesting to think about so we're we'll definitely be following
1: it. i mean do they need profit that bad that they have to shuffle off um uh, tankers and, and things to a holding company. I don't know. Um, anyway, I had a couple other stories and I thought this was really interesting. Um, the inventor of the wind turbine is now trying to harness unlimited power. I found this one very interesting. Okay. Uh, the, the wind turbine inventor is now coming out with floating wind farms.
0: Oh,
1: um, uh and it's designed for deep water so that you're not having to use uh shallow water and i don't know how the technology will work on that but you throw a strong wind at it and i'm not sure how it'll stay but anyway the other one out of normal yeah
0: it'll be interesting to see the transportation method behind it because that's the problem with offshore wind is okay you can put it so far away yes there's a lot of wind up in the middle of the ocean but how do you pipe that back to where we need it that's oh it I mean, gets the biggest all expensive. problem with all this stuff is transportation
1: and uh I, I don't know but i'm gonna follow that one uh the one that really caught my eye was up in sweet a uh, swedish company they are putting up right now a wooden tower made out of renewable wood and as you and i have had guests and authors on the show um, there is a very high co2 and pollution output with wind farms and the amount of steel carbon uh, fiber all of these kind of things and if you can make a tower cut the weight down cut the transportation cost down make it out of renewable materials you're going to start getting my attention uh, and I'm going to start going, well, now if you can make the blades rene- rene- uh, renewable, ah, now you really got my attention. But this is another wind story to. to interesting. Keep an eye on. So uh, they're, if they can uh, pass the tests, uh, they are going to start making, they already have, I uh, believe, 100 towers sold if they can pass the structural test. Oh, interesting. Pretty- That's going
0: to be a huge field. Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, so especially, uh, you know, people say green, renewable. It is not always green and renewable. It takes, um, you know, so much uh, CO2, so much pollution in order to get a wind farm. The It's just some green is not always green.
0: It just comes back to the value chain proposition is you know yes maybe something in its current state is renewable but look at the entire process to get there And i think that's just what a lot of people i i i I look out because i got trained as an economist you're just you're you're come you know as we say hell or high water you were just trained to think that way what is the full life cycles i i i just think i've lucked out in that capacity where i've just always I, i think of everything like that it's it's almost sick
1: you know, it's like Alex uh, Epstein and mm-hmm. Gregory Wrightstone, uh, the market driven, use whatever's best in order to elevate people out of poverty. That's that goes, what it's all about. Use market driven, yeah, whatever's best, and eco- ecologically friendly. Yep. Uh, that that tri, you know trifecta is what we need to use
0: and they all have to work in a balance you 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 know and and this is another thing you you learn as an economist that there is clearly some level of pollution we're okay with in order to have an improved society i mean you make that choice unconsciously every single day when you get in a car and you decide i'm going to drive to work versus walk well i'm gonna you're putting co2 in the air you make that decision when you make take a hot shower versus a cold shower so, I mean, you unconsciously make those decisions to, it's worth it for me to have this current benefit and have this small associated cost. I mean, it's, it's just costs and benefits. I know it's, you know, we always, economists get that rap where everything's just supply and demand, cost benefits. Well, it really is. You can boil a lot of things down to just what is the net change going one way or the other. So, um, I'm all in on that. The only other thing that I had um i just thought it was interesting for the off sh- for the international news desk was this just came across the newswire that we all know guyana is the big discovery that's going on right now exxon's got the biggest biggest physics uh biggest field excuse me it's that Le- uh, liza one project which is on that stowbroke block which is woohoo they're thinking 120,000 barrels per day peak production just out of that Blocks. I mean, you want to talk about profitability? What the problem is, it's absolutely plummeted. Though they've have they've been having some compressor problems, and they've been having two things: one, compressor compressor problems; two, the Environmental Protection Agency has not granted them a flaring permit above 15 million cubic feet of natural gas today. So they're only doing about 25,000 barrels per day because they can't quite get enough flaring permits from the EPA, and they're having some weird compressor issues. So. Timely, as we don't necessarily need the oil on the market right now, but long term, you're you're gonna have to, you know, along with that ESG stuff, EPA is gonna come in and be saying some of this type of stuff. If they're already getting them off the offshore offshore Guyana, you know, they're coming they're coming for onshore very quickly.
1: Uh, one of the things on that Guyana uh, field is they were trying to tap in, just like we have so much flaring in the Permian, they were trying to tap in to use that uh, offshoot rather than flare it i'll have to go look and see uh what, where they were on that one
0: yeah i mean it's a everyone talks about we'd love to produce our own natural gas piping in and convert it but everyone just ends up applying for permits because it's cheaper anyway it's just sometimes it's cheaper it's too costly especially now when there are if you you know going back to segment one if you do some of the cell side research i mean there's Ain't not, it's not a rosy outlook for the industry. Let's just say that. it's not. This is not the industry. If you came to me and was like, yo, I had $100,000. I'm not necessarily putting any in the energy side. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Again, we, this is, we don't give investment advice here. We just sort of tell you what it is. I think that's everything on the news side, though. Before we move into the levels, anything people need to be watching for um, this week news-wise coming up? Um, uh, well,
1: more on the tanker situation. Yeah, that's
0: a big thing. Uh, um, even though we have
1: uh, shut-ins, I'm going to be curious to watch uh, the offload rate of the VLCCs uh, and the storage coming in, uh, just to see that level coming in. Um, yeah. The other one is, uh, you know, Pre- uh, President Trump, Uh, offloaded or made it easier for some folks to uh, get uh, projects done early and easier and through. Uh, There's a fight going on in New York right now about a pipeline from the Marcellus uh, to New York City, and that would help eliminate Russian imports. So that'll be one we're going to be watching that fight. No,
0: we'll definitely be covering that one, and, and and that is good to see. When you know, when we move into sort of just the levels for crude oil for the week, you know, we're in we're in, we're in unprecedented territory. You have to pretty much go back to twenty fifteen to find any volume in between forty one dollars and thirty eight dollars or thirty seven dollars. So anything that's going on right now is just a guess in terms of levels. So I'm going to avoid giving you levels and just say my bias is switched to the bull side. Um, I, I don't fight the current; I like to swim with it. And you just, you know, when you look at everything from where the, you know, you you know, where your VOCs, which is our volume point of controls, where they have moved over the past two weeks. If you just look at structure from a price action standpoint, it's bull. I see no reason to slow it down. I mean, do I think we're going to see $45 oil next week? No, but I do think we're going to see 40. I mean, we're sitting only 55 cents away by the time someone might be listening to this podcast. I guarantee, you know, not that I guarantee, but it'll probably be $40. So I I think it's, it's reasonable to suspect that I think 41, 42 dollars is probably the cap for this week but then again i'm always wrong if, if from my side i'm bullish this week but if i'm looking to get in in a level i love 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 37 50 to 38 dollars as an entrance point for a long you might see some overnight depression who knows maybe the market isn't as satisfied with the production cuts that opec wants i mean we're going to see your market's going to open in a little bit so if there's any crazy things that happen we might have to just reshoot this but from where we're sitting here right now i I think the market expected the production cuts to continue through. I don't think people were going to. I don't think people were think, at least traders aren't weren't necessarily thinking, oh, these the, 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 the cuts aren't gonna be extended. So I think they think they're gonna be extended, which means they're priced in. So I don't think you're gonna see just a massive run up. I think what you would have seen is if they didn't extend the cuts, there would be a massive offshoot, but I don't think that is. But I do think you're gonna see a depression. I like to get long, but I'm looking at that 37.50 to 38 range in terms of a nice level to catch something, maybe to the upside. And when you look at COTs, hedge funds got long. As we mentioned, hedge funds have been going long for two weeks the cot uh which is our commitment to traders which basically gives you just a nice overview of what the professionals and the and the hedgers are doing in this space um longs on the short side for producers and swaps got slashed so that's you know basically means insurance is getting picked up on the short side so producers are using these lower premium times to do what they should have done nine months ago and bought in protection so they're they're finally buying their protection right now um, we have an article that you should be able to see with Aegis Energy Risk. We got a little tap-in to their uh, uh, internal market analysis, and they had some really cool stuff on. They're seeing a lot more hedging activity pick up right now because these lower premium insurance rates, I'm looking at them right now. I mean, you can pick up, you know, some October options for 4000 bucks. I mean, you can, get, you can lock in 10,000 barrels for about $4,000 in terms of, uh, you know, $30 put I mean you can get them for about 4000 bucks a contract which if you if you know what that number means for hedging that is cheap baby you're losing money not buying that so you can check out you know if you do have any hedging questions I highly recommend checking out Aegis Energy Risk they do a great job with all this so that's a free plug They don't even pay us for that and we're just free plugging people but if you are looking at the hedging side the, the commitment of traders is showing it and when you look at the options table I've got it pulled up right now it's cheap it's not gonna necessarily get much cheaper than this. So if you were thinking as an operator getting in on maybe picking up some protection, taking some risk off, please, please, now is the opportunity time to do it. I just messed up that word. Opera what was that? Opportunity. I said it right. Opportunity. Whatever. Um, that's all I've really got for crude oil. I, I don't I think we've covered what's coming up next week. I you know, like I said, I think I'm bullish moving in. I don't think $42, $43 is about the cap. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, as the week goes on. As always, we will be covering everything on a daily basis on our digital ticker show, which airs live on YouTube. Stu, before we go check into the 360 fund, you got anything?
1: Uh, No, you you covered it all.
0: Well, good. So, like I said, I think it's time to move into the 360 official, not official fund. But before I do this, as always, the lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. This segment is for entertainment purposes only and everybody on this show, i.e. me, Michael Tanner, Stu, Stuart Turley, invest for our own account and do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We do not offer any outside money and we do not give, uh, and we have no involvement with the regulated side of the industry. Remember, investing is risky and you can and will lose your entire principal. That being said, Stu, how's your side of the portfolio looking? Well,
1: you know, I got blindsided uh, totally uh, by the numbers on the employment. Very happily, I might add uh um, yes the, i agree uh, very very happily um now that being said i'm back into oxy um you know you never know how some of the majors are going to be playing in that area uh, oxy's up 33.7 i
0: like that i like that a lot i know they were in that list of of yep. high movers so you know, you know, you might be thinking, well, Michael, you just said that, you know, there was in that list of bankrupt companies. Well, right. you have to look at every company individually.
1: All just the because technicals. most
0: of those companies are gonna go, but it doesn't mean they all will. And I right. think if you're picking and choosing out of that top list, I think you've chosen correctly.
1: I've chosen wisely, according to my- Kreskin,
0: amazing Kreskin, <laughs> Oxy was correct.
1: Okay. Uh, also have Rattler and uh, FLNG and uh, back into uh, Rattler has been Park. a winner
0: for you. Rattler has Rattler, been Rattler
1: has been you. rock solid and just got into uh, that's
0: di- And just for everybody listening, that's Diamondback's midstream company. that
1: is yeah is correct midstream is holding tough uh it is almost like it's outside the oil industry and so you want
0: to know something you you just an interesting fact about midstream companies is i was doing i was i was doing some research for the first segment this morning and i just looked up free cash flow and sorted all of the companies the, all of the top free cash flow companies, they're all midstream companies. You they're bet. all midstream companies and they make a buco bucks on a free cash flow basis. So um, if you do like, if, if one of your metrics is free cash flows for long investing, you've got to love the midstreams.
1: Well, you know, the Sopranos were uh, made from the midstreams. Do you know that? Really? Yeah. Hey, you want your oil moved? <laughs>
0: okay i love it i love it how's tomcat doing is he still he was bought you know he, he was bottom he, he, he saw did he see this coming
1: he did not see this one coming either he's having to reassess his port, his short-term portfolio so uh well, i think everyone's getting update. a little
0: i think everyone's getting a little spooked by this i mean me you know bonanza creek has done very well sitting at 19 bucks i mean we're up you know we're up 2000 on bonanza creek which is great great to see yeah um natural gas is about the only thing lagging our portfolio down a little bit well, you know like i said i do go ahead stu my chenaires up oh okay but yeah no natural gas equities i think are doing much <laughs> better than actual natural gas because natural gas right now isn't moving but the expectation as we move into the winter season with all of these supply issues and these shut-ins is that natural gas will rise in that because we know natural gas is cyclical um so cyclical in terms of you know during the 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 the, the draw season which is the winter prices naturally rise during the build season when we build up stocks um we see it and and you can actually see it very clearly in the california oil production because some of the top natural gas producers in the summer are all storage companies producing and they're they're literally called california storage companies and then they literally have names like that that are companies storing natural gas and then in the winter they go away so it's sort of funny how you see them you see them but you see them produce up and then boom shut in you don't see their names for four or five months they go into nice bare hibernation but uh so we That's really funny. like that i i i'm looking to get in long for for crude oil but i like the 37 level better i i think it's i think we're not you know, who's to say what's overvalued or undervalued right now but i like it at that 37 level so that's what i'm looking for a little bit of a pullback when you just look at the structure of the way things have set up i like the volume chunk there but you know really i'm, I'm bullish on oil for the week so if, if, if you're looking to if you're looking to do some trading specifically on crude oil futures um you know bias bull you know that's just what i think the research is showing so I think it's everything, Stu. We're over 45 minutes. You know, we're about 45 minutes here. We've, we've chatted these guys' ear off enough. Is there anything that we need to get – anything we got left before we let these guys get out of here back to work? Uh,
1: uh, buckle up. Get a flight suit. It's going to be a rough ride.
0: Yeah, we're fine, depending on how you look at it. So I'm a glass-half-full guy, and I'm having a blast doing this. So we appreciate you guys checking out the show. Please, again, just subscribe, 360 Digital Closing Bell, iTunes, Spotify, or Eric Combs YouTube page. We're going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell. We will see you this afternoon.